Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network Podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now let's get into today's teaching. Good Good evening, good evening, everyone. This is Apostle Cor Green, the founder of the Upper Room Kingdom. I greet you all in the precious name of Jesus. Welcome to our uh, weekly Bible study. Uh, so excited to get into the Word of God today. Apologize on that brief delay uh, there, but uh, we're going to move forward uh, for another uh, powerful word that's going to go forward today. And I know that something will be said uh, that should have a great impact on your life. So I greet those who are watching live on Facebook, on uh, Periscope, on YouTube. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to open up in prayer. Good evening. Good evening to you. Good evening, Melissa and Linda and Tiffany, even Tony. Connie, good evening to you. Good evening to Tamara, Georgia, Patrice, Ananda. Amen. So we're going to open up in prayer and we're going to jump on into the word of God. Our Father God, we come now giving him glory. We're giving him honor. We're giving him praise. We thank you for this day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, God, for the word that should go forth on this evening. We need to go forth with power and accomplish what you set it out to accomplish in the lives of these. Your people, let this word take root in our lives, oh God, that we may apply it to our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. We come against any seeds of distraction, any, any things that will try to do to try to snatch this word. We blood block it. We cancel it now in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. You be glorified. You be magnified. We praise you now. We glorify you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right. All right. So um, now a quick recap of uh, last week's Bible study. Again, we were on part six. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, sacrifices and offerings on godly altars. And we said again, whether it be a godly altar or a, or a demonic altar, all altars require a sacrifice, right? All altars require a sacrifice and all altars are activated through sacrifice. So again, so, so we understand that premise that all altars are activated through a sacrifice. And we said again, and it's, it's not a godly altar if it's not covered in the blood of Jesus. And so we said, again, sacrifices puts puts a, a command on the altar. It calls the altar to perform. It calls the altar to produce results in the lives of children of God, godly altars. It calls for God, God's fire to come and consume the sacrifice. And so, again, we, we, we talked the importance of the sacrifice on the altar, on a godly altar, uh, presenting our body as a living sacrifice. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, how Hannah uh, uh, submitted Samuel unto God, dedicated Samuel unto God to the work and working of the temple uh, because she was not able to have a child. And then she prayed and God gave her a child. Her womb her, her was opened up. And so we talked about those sacrificial offerings, those things that those offerings or those sacrifices that that that's beyond your norm, that that stretches you, that takes you out of your comfort zone. But but it's, it's because of the severity, that the nature of what it is that you believe in God, what it is that you're seeking God for. So so it, it's it's yes, we offer up sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of thanksgiving, praise and worship unto God, submitting ourselves unto God as a living sacrifice uh, to to use us to consume us, etc. But also the power of those sacrificial offerings. Those sacrifices that again that that that, that stretches you beyond uh, your comfort zone, so to speak. It's it, it's that 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 above and beyond that you say, Lord, I need this, I want this, and I want this now. So it's those 
type of sacrifice, sacrificial offerings and the power of the, the, the offerings and the sacrifices on your godly altar. So, again, uh, if you missed that last week, make sure you go back uh, and watch the replay. Amen. As we move forward uh, today. So today, at part seven on destroying uh, evil altars. Um, we're going to talk about removing evil altars on the heart. So, again, removing evil altars on the heart. And so understand that, that, that there can be altars. Uh, uh, we talked about the physical altars, right? Physical altars that you can set up in your home, your job, different places that you can set up your physical altar. That, that's your meeting place with you and God, that, 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 that physical altar, right? Uh, and also we talked about the spiritual altar. Uh, it, it's all spiritual, but you have a literal physical place where you, you put your sacrifice on, you put your prayer request on, et cetera. Your physical altar, but also in the realm of the spirit, you can say, Lord, I raise this godly altar right where I am. And uh, I covered in the blood of Jesus. Then you can you can make your petitions known and, and put your sacrifices and whoever on that altar as you stand in a gap for them. But there's also altars on the heart. They can be altars set up in your heart, your soul, your mind. And so the goal is uh, that, that that the altars of your heart, you, you want the altars on your heart to be towards God. Right. So there's any altar on your heart. You want it to be unto God, sacrifice unto God. Uh, and so any other altar that's not of God, we know is of the enemy. So altars are set up to make sacrifice that we already know. So we either make offerings unto God or we make offerings unto Satan. And so the enemy, of course, tries to, to, to create altars on your heart through soul wounds or thoughts that were not cast down and were able to take root in your life. Right. And so those are hidden altars that must be exposed and eradicate it out of your life. And so and so this is the first type of hidden altar we're going to deal with today. The altars on the heart cuz these are the altars that 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 can easily go unnoticed. The, these are the altars that that can slip under the radar. And so and so we're going to focus on the altars of the heart as we get deeper into this series we get we we get into other hidden altars. But this hidden altar of the heart is so critical to understand because again the enemy tries to to create these these altars on our heart, that's not really unto God. So they're hidden altars. And so the only altar we want on our heart is an altar for God so we can continue to give praise offerings, thanksgiving offerings, etc. And so uh, and so it's important to understand that when it comes to our heart, our soul, right? You, you know that the soul is very sensitive. It can pick up so many things. That's why you got to guard your eye gauge, your ear gauge, what you listen to, what you watch, etc. Because your soul is so sensitive. Your soul can pick up so much stuff, so much debris. Uh, uh, so much demonic waste. And as your soul picks up that stuff, it can begin to attach to you. And it can also cause you to think wrong thoughts, wrong type of thinking, right? Those wrong thoughts. And so we have to cast down those thoughts because we don't cast down those thoughts. Those thoughts will take root and those thoughts become seeds and those thoughts begin to grow. And it can choke out the very things of God that's supposed to be manifesting in our lives. Because it, it because it's, it's it's an ungodly altar that's been formed that we were unaware of in our own heart. Let's go to Jeremiah seventeen and one. Jeremiah seventeen and one, and we'll we'll put this in perspective here. Jeremiah seventeen and one. Jeremiah seventeen and one. 
It says in New King James Verse, it says, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With the point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. So in this passage, we find prophet Jeremiah. He was releasing a prophetic word that God spoke about Judah because of their sins. So we're going to see what sin can do here. So God was saying that the sin of Judah was so great that it was engraved on the tablet of their heart. The sin was in their heart. The metaphor was given that it was like the pen, uh, a pen of iron uh, and a point of a diamond engraving or, or, or tattooing something. Right. And so and so the sin had become a part of their character. They were consumed with sin and complete rebellion against God. It progressively got worse. Their sin was on their hearts and it was also engraved on the horns of their altars. And so during that time, they, they, they did create physical altars to make sacrifices unto God. Right. But with all the idolatry, they were also making sacrifices unto false gods. And so the horn of the altar is where the blood from the animal sacrifice was placed to atone for their sins, to, 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 uh, to wash away their sins, so to speak, to, to stand in a gap for their sins. So, so they would sprinkle the blood, put the blood on the horns of the altar. And so, of course, we know Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. So there was, but, but and, and of course, there were demonic altars set up and sacrifices and prayers were made to demons and blood was smeared as an offering to demons. So everything God creates, we know Satan tries to duplicate. So the sin was great. The sin was great. And, and so in understanding that it was already in their heart, it started as a seed and that seed grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and began to grow some more. And so, and so, and, and so, and, and with that happening, they, they, they had ulterior motives. They had the wrong heart motives. They were trying to serve God and Satan. They were trying to serve two masters. So that was complete contamination. So now the altar was on their hearts and it was against God. Though they claimed to serve God, they made sacrifices and offerings unto God, but God was rejecting it. Because they were, they, they were playing the harlot. They were trying to play on two sides. They were serving God and serving Satan, making sacrifice unto gods, false gods. And so now the sin on their heart, it was engraved on a tower of their hearts until it just became a part of who they were. It became upon what they did. So their motives were wrong. And because their motives were wrong, now an altar was created on their heart. And now this altar was on their heart, even when they supposedly were making sacrifices unto God, their heart was not fully turned to God. Again, their heart was not fully turned to God. So because their heart was not fully turned to God, they had one foot in, one foot out. In all actuality, they were making offerings unto Satan. Because God was not going to, to accept those false offerings. When he knew that they had altar moves, that they were serving all the gods. So now on this altar on their heart, they began to make sacrifices. And then Satan, who do you think was coming for that? Satan was coming for those sacrifices. Satan was coming to grab those sacrifices and say, yeah, I'm cashing in on this. So Satan was saying, yeah, whatever harvest you think you're going to get, it's my harvest because I know your heart motive. 
because there's altars on your heart that's not of God. And so that's what we must be mindful of when we're seeking God, when we're making sacrifices unto God, what is our motive? What is our motive? Are, are we really doing it out of love to, to God, admiration to God, or is it only about what I can get from God? Then that's not relationship. Then that's just making transactions. That's not that's not true relationship. And so therefore, the Lord knows the heart. Right. He knows what's on the heart. And there's some sacrifices that we may have made over time. And sacrifice at the sacrifice that we felt was unto God, but because the heart motive was wrong, because our heart was not in the right place, the enemy came for it. It's no different than uh, 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 in some churches where uh, you have some leaders who are putting up holy hands, so to speak, raising their hands as as a offering unto God, as a, as a praise unto God, but then God is seeing dirty hands. He's seeing unclean hands. He, he's seeing the sin in the camp that's being covered up. He knows what's going on behind the scenes. So the contamination that the Lord hates, he, he turns it, he, he covers his face so he doesn't see it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But then he knows what's on the heart. And so therefore you can be in a worship service. And 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 if the enemy is is behind the scenes with that demonic contamination, then all you're getting is demonic glory going throughout the atmosphere. Because the enemy knows the altars that's on the heart of that leader. The enemy knows the altar that's on the heart of, of that church, that ministry, what's, what's, being, what's being emanated from what's going on behind the scenes. And so therefore, that's a, uh, uh, we call that uh, in the scripture, you talk about strange fire. Uh, remember when the priest, they offered up that, that strange fire unto God and they, and they died, it, it, it backlash on them. And so it's like strange fire because God is saying, I'm not going to accept this knowing what even scripture talks about. If you have an ardent issue against your brother, your sister, and you bring a gift to the altar, leave that gift there and first go settle matters with your brother, your sister, before you leave this gift here. Matters of the heart. And some some are still holding bitterness and, and unforgiveness. And remember, for forgiveness does not mean that you have to like the person, that you be friends with the person. Forgiveness is saying whatever they did or whatever they didn't do, I'm not going to allow it to have control or power in my life any longer. Because now it's hindering my blessings. Now it's hindering my progress because I'm, I'm, I'm harboring this bitterness. And the enemy knows that that bitterness is, is there. So that impacts our, our offerings. It, it impacts our sacrifice because uh, uh, the enemy recognizes, well, I got this altar set up on your heart, this altar of bitterness. I have this altar of rage set up on your heart. I have this 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 altar of 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 self promotion or entitlement on your heart, and it's not truly a heart after God. So 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 you follow me when we talk about altars on the heart. So 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 asking God to search our heart, God, if there's any altars on my heart that is not of you, remove it, dismantle it, destroy it. And so, of course, we know today witches, walks, and sorcerers, and others in their cult, they still create physical altars to make sacrifices unto demons as they pursue money, they pursue power, they pursue, pursue influence, they pursue sex, etc. And so they also use these altars to try to send curses against the children of God, as I've been saying since the beginning of this series. So these physical altars can be destroyed in the spirit through your prayers, through, through, through your warfare, through the fire that you send. 
But some altars aren't going to go off without a fight. Some altars have been around for so long that the demons that are coming from those altars are going to put up a fight because they felt like they've been enforcing what came from those altars. They've been enforcing the curses that's been coming from, from those altars for centuries on your bloodline. And so, and, and, and that's why, even watch this now. now I'm, I'm showing you the power of spiritual transfer. Spiritual transfer because uh, 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 Apostle Paul was telling Timothy, he said, uh, uh, I've seen your faith. I, I, I've seen the, the same faith I've seen you, the same faith I saw in your mother, and the same faith I saw in your grandmother. That same faith i seen you. So, so the faith of a generation, one generation was passed down to another generation and then passed down to another generation. Because faith, again, is a spirit. Right? God has not given the spirit, the, the spirit of fear. That's a spirit. But of power, that's a spirit. But of love, that's a spirit. Of a sound mind, that's a spirit. And so what happens is the enemy says, all right, what can I do to try to create an altar on their heart? And hopes that they offer up strange fire and hopes that that when they're going and making their gift at the altar or they're making a sacrifice under the altar, I can snatch the harvest because I'm coming due to get the sacrifices from the altar on their heart. I'm coming due for whatever harvest come there because legally I have it because I can see the altars on their heart. And that's one access point. Right. We, we're not even talking about the evil altars that that which the warlock set up or that's been set up for generations that the enemy is used and legally steal and rob and cause all type of issues in your life. We're talking about altars on your heart, hidden altars, altars that you had no idea was present, altars you had no idea that was around, heart motives, the wrong heart motives. There's some people who start ministries, churches with the wrong heart motive. They start off in a deficit because the heart motive is wrong. And start off sometime with good intent and then certain things come in and contaminate and they want power. They want this. They want that. And then it gets contaminated. And then now they're offering up that strange fire again. And now it's making room for demonic bribery, taking demonic bribery. In the realm of the spirit. Trade-offs. And so what I'm showing is that's the importance of understanding the altars. These are hidden altars. So this is if we're going to get into deeper details uh, later in this series about other hidden altars. But this altar, we talk about the one that's on the heart. And so and so and so this passage, again, is talking about physical altars that were set up, altars that were set up for God and altars that were set up for Satan. And so the passage points to the heart. And we can also get in Revelation here that altars are also on the heart. This means that sacrifices are made. From altars on the heart. Sacrifices are made from altars on the heart. This means, again, uh, that we must make sure that those sacrifices are unto God by living for God, by seeking God, by serving God. Because we understand, yes, the enemy has set up, tried to set up certain altars on our heart. They try to sow certain seeds in our heart so that our motives, our heart motives can be wrong. That's what they want. All right, let's go to a perfect example. Let's go to Genesis 4. Genesis 4, verses 3 to 12. And that's Genesis 4, verses 3 through 12. May it pass the scripture, and we're going to break it down here. Okay, that's Genesis 4, verses 3 to 12. 
And he reads, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crop for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. So we know this story, the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, made they both made a sacrifice unto God. Cain tilled the ground and brought an offering to God from uh, some of what he produced, the harvest that he got from, from tilling the ground. So it seemed like he was doing the right thing. He was making an offering unto God. Abel tended the sheep and offered unto God the best uh, of the firstborn of his flock. He offered the best, the best. He, uh, he gave the best unto God. And so, and so even when we look at our heart motives, we say, we say that God, God is our everything. Jesus is our Savior, our Messiah, and, and, and he's everything to us, we, how, how much we love him. But we, we have to put our action where our words are. Is he really our priority? Is he a priority as much as we say he's our priority? Let's think of some things that we really get excited about. And, you know, that, you know, and, 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 and you, you, you put your all into it. You're, you're all in. I mean, you go all out. You, 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 you will go to, 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 the, to the last drop how much, how, how much sacrifice and, 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 and blood, sweat and tears, even whether, whether it's raising children and, or, or certain, certain hobbies or certain things that you're, you're pursuing. You go after it with all your everything. It becomes priority. Family members, et cetera. Relationships. Uh, priorities. Right. And. And you show it through your action. So, 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 so you, you show it through your action. So we're saying, Lord, we love you. We sacrifice all to you. Think about the rich young ruler. The Lord said, okay, give up all that you have and come follow me. He's like, well, I've, I've kept the laws. I've kept the commandments. I, I, I've done what was right. I've, I've lived a, a holy life, etc." cetera. The Lord said, okay, well, give up your riches. Give, give up your riches. And he said he left sad and dejected. He couldn't do it because his riches became an idol. Money became an idol. For some, money becomes an idol. For some, uh, uh, houses, cars become an idol. For some, relationships becomes an idol where they're literally putting it above God and don't realize it. They're putting that thing above their love for God, above their relationship for God. It's becoming an idol. And here they are trying to fill a void, trying to fill a void 
that only God can fill. Trying to trying to fill a void through relationship, trying to fill a void through money, trying to fill a void through 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 through, through gifts, through shopping, through food, whatever the case be, and not understanding that the void you're trying to fill only God can fill. But because you're trying to fill those things, you're trying to use those things to fill a void. Those things become an idol unknowingly. And so now the Lord knows those heart motives, but guess who else knows those heart motives? The enemy, because the enemy wanted to be there. And so now what happens? The enemy said, all right, everything that's supposed to be coming your way, I'm going to snatch it legally because I see the altar in your heart. And this altar is getting bigger and bigger. And every sacrifice you make, every sacrifice you, you're making uh, for, 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 in reference to this, this thing that's now become your idol, I'm going to snatch it. I'm going to delay it. Well, LaShawn says, so we have to pay attention to what we're sacrificing and why. Well, absolutely. You, you, you want to pay. You, you want to look at the motive of your sacrifice, the motive behind the offering. Yes. Yes. We make sacrifice and offering for things to manifest. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. But is this thing, this 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 thing you believe in for you're praying for, is it becoming an idol? Is it becoming something that 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 we pursue more than we pursue God? That, that's the difference. Are you pursuing financial increase, marriage, uh, et cetera? Are you pursuing these things more than you're pursuing God, the one who's the provider of all of these things, the one who's the answer, the one who answers the prayers? And because it's easy to get caught in a trap. Of course I am, because your first thought, well, of course I'm only I'm 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 doing unto God, but you gotta watch your heart. Those motives, that's part of the deception. Satan is not gonna just make it obvious, he's gonna sift, he's gonna try to sift you slowly. He's going to try to subtly do it, subtly do it to try to gain more room, to try to gain more room. And so that's why we have to watch the heart motives. And so, again, Abel gave his best. I mean, his best. So there was something Cain didn't do as to why God didn't accept it. Cain's offering was not done in faith, number one. Abel also offered a blood sacrifice of the animal. Cain offered this sacrifice, but something was on the altar of his heart. That God saw. There was something on the altar of Cain's heart that God saw because he did the right thing. And, and that's what we have to understand. Sometimes we get it mixed up because we, we we feel we're doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing by going to church. I'm doing the right thing by praying. But some of you are just praying strictly out of obligation because you know you need to do it. Some of you are serving God out of straight obligation because you know you need to do it. And so then, then, then that, 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 how do you think that makes God feel? Because he loves you. He wants time with you. He, 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 he wants that from us. And so if all these other things are taking up our time, jobs, some, some of you, you, all this time, you, you spend hours, countless hours on these jobs, and, 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 and all this time is being taken from God. Well, I got to make money. I got to make ends meet. But who's the provider? You're now making a job the idol and using a job as an excuse to why you can't spend time with God. So you understand? So now that's subtle. That's one of those subtle things. Man, I've been working so hard. Or even your children. You, 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 you know, you, you, you're a single parent. I get it. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you have all this and you get, and you're tired because all the different things you have to do. I get it. God sees that. He knows that. But he's saying, wait a second now. Have your children, the very children I gave you, had they become an idol to where you're not spending time with me that you should. 
And so, and these are all things that seem right. Of course, you want to, you working hard, et cetera, uh, whatever the case may be. I don't believe in, 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 in that, that term hard work because God, Jesus came to deliver us from the curse of hard work. Hard work was put on Adam and Eve after they sinned. With the sweat of your brow, Adam, you're going to till the ground. So that means that he didn't sweat. He didn't have, he didn't, he didn't have to work hard tilling the ground until sin entered. So that curse of hard work, God, Jesus Christ came to deliver us from that. Don't mean that you don't have work to do, but you work smart. It's not you working hard. In, in, in the world, that's become this big thing, working hard that shows how hard I work. No, but God ain't, ain't saying, oh, great job. You work so hard. He don't want you to work hard. He wants you to work with wisdom. And he definitely wants you working so hard until these things that you're working on and doing those good things, those necessary things, if it's becoming an idol on your heart, creating an altar on your heart. What do you think matters more to God? You, you clocking all these hours on a job or you clocking hours with him? Now, now that requires a different level of trust. But I got to do it. You know, I got to make ends meet. Who's the provider? Well, you're not being practical. You're not being practical. No, you're not being practical. You're not being practical because God didn't call us to be practical. He called us to walk by faith. And faith never makes sense to the natural mind. If you're giving more of your time to something, hear me clearly. If you're giving more of your time to something, more than you're giving to God, it has become an idol and it's created an altar on your heart. Are you following me now? And, and so and, and so this is something that I always have to re, recheck myself and because I can get bogged down in doing the work of the ministry. That's a good thing, right? But God will never put the work of the ministry above time with him. He won't do it. He's a jealous God. He said, you have no other God but beside me. Now, he's not jealous in the term of how we see jealousy. What he's saying is, look, there's nothing, no one that's going to come before me. Anything or anyone that comes before me is an idol. Jesus was radical. You want to talk about being practical? What did Jesus do? When he, when he, was, he was on earth, he said, hey, I see y'all did ca uh, cast your nets for fish. Come follow me. I'll make you fish, fish as I'm in. And the parable, well, I got to go. Well, I just got married. I got to go spend some time with my wife. Well, I just got this new auction. I got to go try it out. No, nope, you don't got time to do it. No, nope, come on with me. Come, come, come on. The, the, come to the great banquet. But I got to go and do that. And they all made their excuses why they couldn't come to the great banquet. He said, well, he said, well, they're they not going to enter into the kingdom. So go on to the, to the highways, the byways, his tweets, and invite them to come in. Invite them to come in. Invite the others to come in who don't, who, who's, who's not making this stuff to others. They don't have nothing else going on. So, so, so I'm helping you to understand it. Anything that you're giving more time to than you're giving to God has become an idol. And please understand, even when you're at work, you're going throughout your, out, out your daily activities, you can still talk to God throughout the day. That's where the relationship comes in. But you still need to be intentional about that individual, that quiet time, that time you set aside, that's you and God. Yes, you have responsibilities. And, and I hear those, I got responsibilities, I got bills to pay, I got these, but hmm, let's think about it for a second. You do have responsibilities. We, we quickly talk about the responsibilities of, you know, you know, your family and your jobs, your career, your ministry, all responsibilities, but you did forget your job description. Preach the word, heal the sick, 
raise the dead, cast out demons. That, that's also your responsibility. That, that's our responsibility, right? That's also our responsibility. So how do we sweep that to the side and focus on the more practical things? And not the things of God being in relentless pursuit of God. Relentless pursuit of God. And so this is not a condemnation thing because there's no condemnation in Christ. I, I'm, I, I'm saying it to expose what the enemy's been trying to do behind the scenes, the hidden altars that may be on your heart. That's all. This is to expose it. This is to expose it. Anyone not be able to use it as a legal right anymore because now it's being exposed. And so watch this now. And so Cain's offering, I said, was not done in faith. Cain had an altar on his heart. Cain was angry because God accepted Abel's offerings over his. So it would make sense that you'd be upset. Like, wait a minute, God. Now, I gave an offering too. Why are you not accepting my offering? What, what's wrong with me? What, what did I do wrong? So now he was playing the guilt card. He was playing the, the I'm the victim card. But it said he was angry. So where did the anger come from? It came from Satan. However, there was already something on the altar of Cain's heart that was not of God that had begun to grow. Remember I said, it starts as a seed. It's not going to be this big thing at the beginning. It's going to be a small, subtle seed to try to go undetected, to try to go under the radar so you don't know that it's there. And so God knew. The rage that was in Cain's heart. He knew this rage. God knew what was on the altar of Cain's heart. And he let Cain know. Now, now look how sovereign, how just, and how loving God is. He let Cain know that he still had a chance to give an offering. That God would accept if he did what was right. If he did what was right. Look, look, look what it says here. Uh, in verse 6. Why, God's, God's speaking to Cain. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? And here's what the Lord said in verse 7. You will be accepted if you do what is right. So, so, so God, God gave him another chance. Cain, yes, I rejected your altar, but let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. And he said, he said here's the why. Because you're not doing what's right. If you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. So this is the warning. God, he's now, so again, he's warning him before he was, the bottom dropped out. He warned him while the sifting was going on. God will warn us while the sifting is going on, the enemy sifting us. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right. So now think about if you refuse, that means that's open defiance. That's open rebellion. Going openly against the will of God. Here's what the Lord said, watch out now. He said, then sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, excited for the opportunity, waiting for the opportunity. And the Lord said, but Cain, you must subdue it and be its master. Because if you don't be its master, it will become your master. It will become your master. Now, God had warned him, right? God had warned him. So he couldn't say he didn't know. And so, again, only God 
Cain and Satan knew what that was. Satan was the reason, again, that what had entered Cain's heart began to grow and grow and grow. But did God warn Cain? Absolutely. He said, be careful. Sin is crouching at the door, eager, eager, waiting for a chance to swoop in. So, again, God warned Cain to do what's right, because if he did it, sin was waiting, waiting at the door for the opportunity to control him. So then now this shows you a process. The enemy will try to sow a seed to try to gain some access. But that initial seed is not strong enough to control you. It's not strong enough just yet to control you. But as other things happen, then that, that thing begins to get watered and watered some more and watered some more. Now, it's so big, it's growing now, it's taking root that now... That altar is, 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 is well, now it's, it's, it's going from a seed to now an altar was created. It starts as a seed. So it, it didn't start as an altar. It started as a seed. And that seed, as it began to water, grew into an altar. And now, because it grew into an altar, now it says, aha, now I can control. Now I can use this altar to control your emotions. I can use this altar to control your motives. I can use this altar to control your movements. I can use this altar to control your decisions. It started as a seed and that seed will not root it. That's why I tell you all the time, every day you wake up and pray, you send a blood of Jesus to uproot any seeds the enemy tried to sow overnight in your life, your family's life, etc. Any seeds that was sown overnight, you sent a blood to uproot it, speak crop fade to it, cancel it. So that that seed does not begin to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's very subtle. So we see it starts as a seed. That seed takes root, it begins to grow now. And now saying, so, okay, now, now there's an altar being created. Now there's an altar that's alive in your heart. And now, and now says, now I can control it. By sending things at this altar. Hello? So 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 putting that in, in, in perspective. All right? Uh, so was Cain the first child of disobedience? I would know, of course, Adam and Eve was the first to sin, so they will be the first of disobedience, uh, disobeying uh the, the will of God. And so again, so God warned Cain to do what was right. Right? So so we got that. And so again, we see how it turns from a seed and it grows and it turns to an altar. And then it becomes an altar. Now that thing can become a master over you. You know, some people, uh, we, we can talk about addictions, et cetera. For an example, um, when, you know, someone who's an alcoholic or a drug addict or, or whatever, uh, whatever, addicted to food, whatever case it be. And it seems like now the food, the addiction is controlling the person. It's just an example of something that's obvious on the surface. So it's beginning to control the person. And, and, and then when certain things trigger it from soul wounds and certain things happen, then they go back to the thing that's comfort, whether it's shopping, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether, whether it's sex, whatever it is. Those these things that they're addicted to is now controlling them. And now there's an altar on their heart that the enemy is using to control, to control. And so this lets us know that at the moment. And it's in verse six and seven, and seven that it had not overtaken Cain's heart yet. 
it, 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 there's this sin that the seed hadn't overtaken yet, but it was at the door waiting for an opportunity to take over. So again, what happened? Then Cain goes on and he, he said, hey, come on, my brother, let's go out. Uh, let, let's let's go out into the field. Now he he so now that seed grows so much that the enemy don't convince him that the, the anger, the rage, the jealousy was so strong because now it, it, it so now other spirits are being invited in. Right. Uh, 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 so Satan was really able to, to cause all types of issues. And so now he said, well, you might as well kill your brother. Because, you know, your brother thinks he, he, he thinks he's better than you. Look, look at God accepting it. You, you got you got how could God accept his altar? Not you. You deserve you deserve better than that. And then that rage began to build up. And then now he was convinced to kill his brother. He was convinced to kill his brother. So let's follow me now. So, so sin was crouching at the door. By this point in time, you know it was dead. It, it had full control. So God was trying to show Cain that he had power over it, but he had to act on the power. You, you, you have to act on the power. You, you, you have to, to, to act on the power. So Cain had the wrong motive in his offering to God because what was on the altar of his heart. That altar on his heart caused him to offer a bad sacrifice. And God said, I will not accept that. I don't want that. I want your heart, Cain, before I want your sacrifice. If your heart is not pure unto me, what am I going to do with your sacrifice? Hello, somebody. What am I going to do with your sacrifice if I don't have your heart? Think about that. Any relationship. Imagine being in a relationship and only one person is, 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 is showing love. Only one person is, 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 is pouring it all into it. And the other one is not as completely rejecting it. And but they're still giving gifts and say, here's this gift. And, and here you like, I, I don't want all that. I just want your love. I want your affection. I want your attention. I don't care about all that other stuff. That other stuff doesn't make me happy. If I don't have you, if I know you're not in it, you're clocked out. It's the same when we're approaching God. If these altars on our heart, if these wrong motives are there, God's saying, yes, I see your sacrifices, but I don't want your sacrifice if I don't have your heart. That's why he's so big on intimate time with him. That's why he's so adamant about us spending time with him. That's why he's so adamant about not making your children, your careers, your businesses, your ministry, an idol. Don't, don't, don't put them before God. We say we give God lip service sometimes, but sometimes we check our life. We got to say, wait a minute. I'm giving way more to this than I'm giving to God, even if it's a good thing. Because what Cain did, the offering was not bad. The sacrifice wasn't wrong. It was a good intent. But the intent in his heart. God saw it. He said, no, I don't want that gift from you. Could you, you're not showing me that you love me. I don't, I don't, I don't want your stuff. I don't want your sacrifices uh, away with me. And I want your heart, Cain. And I want your heart so much. I'm showing you, I'm warning you. I'm practically pleading with you. Cain, sin is crouching at the door, waiting to control you, but you got to be a master over it. That's what he's telling us. We got to be a master over it. So again, the, the altar on Cain's heart caused him to offer a bad sacrifice, and God would not accept it. Essentially, Cain was really offering a, hear me clearly now, 
this this word gets deeper now. Essentially, Cain was really offering a sacrifice unto Satan unknowingly because of what was on his heart. Because of what was on his heart. Follow me now. If you give an offering, a financial, you sow a seed, any type of, if you give it out of fear, that's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice to God because fear doesn't enter heaven. If you're giving to fear or you're giving to doubt, you're not giving unto God. If you sow a seed out of fear, you're literally signing the, that harvest over to the enemy. That's not sowing in the soil of prosperity, but it's a soil of fear. It's not sowing in a soil of faith. It's sowing in a soil of fear. And God wants to sow in a soil of faith. He said, I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at the motives in your heart. So you must look at the motive of why you do what you do. God searches the heart. He even tells us not to give reluctantly or, 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 or out of pressure. But he loves a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians 9, 6 to 7. God loves a cheerful giver. Think about this now. Now, let's put it in perspective. If someone is giving something to you or doing something for you. Out of obligation or doing that attitude. How much time you, you've all done been before. Well, this is never mind. It's just do, just doing I do it myself because they got an attitude. They don't really want to do it. They're acting like like they don't want to do it. They're acting like they're doing you a favor or whatever case be. And, or they are doing you a favor and then they're trying to hold over your head and you get upset about that thing. Because no one wants to feel like someone is doing something out of obligation because they don't want to or they're not trying to help or just whatever. Because they got an attitude in general that gets you upset. You're like, I don't want it. I don't want that. I don't, you know, or someone did you wrong, whatnot, and whatever case it be, and, and they're trying to give you all these gifts, and and but you know they ain't really changed. It's like, I don't want all that stuff. That stuff is not gonna make me happy. That that's not doing nothing for me. And so you know what as you and, and and no one likes that feeling when you feel like I gotta depend on somebody. I feel I gotta depend on you and this and that, and and then someone trying to hold up your head or, or doing you a certain way, that makes you feel a certain type of way, right? So how's it any different when we're making an offering and sacrifice unto God? Well, I feel like I got to do this. Well, well, he tell me to do it. So I guess I better do it. You're not doing it cheerfully. You're not doing it cheerfully. Why would God want that offering? Why would God want that sacrifice? Why would he want that gift? So Cain went through the motions of an offering unto God. He was going through the motions, but his heart motive was wrong. He was doing it out of obligation. Well, I know I'm supposed to give the first fruits. I'm supposed to give my, my tithe. I'm supposed to give a tithe off of what, what, what my, 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 my harvest came in. I know I'm supposed to do it. Well, I'm going to do it because I want to try to get this. But it wasn't cheerful. Because when you give unto God, it's not fair if I'm losing something. You know you're going to get more back. So Cain went to the, mo to the motions. And this was similar to Job. Job had pride in his heart. Satan finally found a legal right to use the pride that was in Job's heart. It was already in his heart and Satan brought it to the court of heaven. But the adversary, adversary was also saying that Job was taking bribes. I've taught on this before in the court of heaven that Job was taking bribes. But he wasn't literally taking bribes. He wasn't physically taking bribes. Because according to Job, he served God faithfully. And, 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 and if I could take God to court, I would because I've done nothing wrong. That was pride by itself. And so, 
and and I heard it put best. Uh, I think it was a worshiper. Uh, uh, someone said uh, that the thing that 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 those fallen angels, angels and Satan could still be worshiping around God's throne now if it had not been for pride. What the scripture said: pride comes before the fall. Why did Satan and 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 a third of those angels with him got got kicked out because of pride and rebellion? Pride comes before the fall. Cain had pride and it came before his fall. Job had pride. It came before his fall. He didn't recognize it though. That's how subtle it was. That's how subtle it was, right? And so again, going back to Job, he, he was taking bribes, but not physical bribes. He wasn't literally taking bribes from Satan. But he, but 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 Satan felt Job only served God to get stuff, which was true. At the beginning, he served God simply to get stuff, not because of his true love for God, not because of his true dedication to God. It was out of obligation and to get stuff, and he had a lot of stuff, right? But it was technically somewhat demonic bribes that he began to take because now the altar's on his heart. Those offerings weren't really being offered unto God. So Cain had the wrong motives, heart motives as well. Way, way more so than Job. So the wrong altar on Cain's heart had begun to take over now. What was on the altar of his heart caused God to reject what he was giving. And guess what? That only infuriated Cain. Think about it now. I'm showing you soul wounds. How many, how, many, how many of you have been in a situation where you get angry with God because this had happened? I should have been married by now. I should have had this finance. My finances should have been here by now. This should have been in my life by now. This should happen by now. This should have been going on by now. And then you're getting mad at God. And that just creates a whole nother soul wound because now you got a soul wound toward God. And it's not that God's not doing it. God's not the one that's doing that. But the Satan is using that to try to get you to get angry with God, to try to take it out on God, to try to blame God. Well, Lord, if you've done this, if you had done this, etc. And God's like, no, I told you the rules that do have dominion on earth. It's on you to manifest it. And yes, the enemy fights is all harder in different areas. So it's not a knock. We all in warfare fighting for something. Or some things. But it infuriated Cain and that created a whole nother wound. He, Frank Cain was infuriated. And then God warned him, I see your heart, Cain. But Cain still gave him to sin. And so the altar on his heart was empowered when he had the opportunity to destroy it. He had the opportunity to destroy it. But what happened? He killed his brother Abel because the evil altar on his heart was strengthened. And so we must cast down any altars that are not of God in our heart so that it won't have an opportunity to grow. Remember the formula. When we focus on God, he keeps, he keeps us in perfect peace, perfect prosperity. You keep your mind, your thoughts fixed on God. He will keep you in perfect peace, perfect shalom, perfect prosperity. You follow me? Absolutely, John, right there. The scripture created me a clean heart. Renewing me the right spirit. Amen. And so, and just understanding that, that that's what the enemy was trying to do with, with, with those altars. So what I'm saying is that it's being careful 
uh, uh, because how, how subtle, how very, very subtle the enemy can be when it comes to uh, uh, those hidden altars, th those hidden altars of the heart. And so we have to all take a step back and examine. What am I giving more time to than I'm giving to God? It needs to be some recalibration, some readjustment. Tamisha is taking communion every day, helping that area hard. Well, absolutely. There's definitely power in taking communion and communion with God. Uh, absolutely. It helps, it helps with healing. It helps with so many things um, because that's supposed to be your communion. Your communion with God, not just something you're doing, but understanding the power of when you have Holy Communion amongst yourself. Uh, or, or corporately, it's, it's, it's a coming together. It's, it's, it's you coming to the table to commemorate and remember what Jesus Christ has done and is yet still doing in your life. And then the table is spread. And, and it's that dining with the Lord, that supping with the Lord, that spending time communing with him. That's why there's the power in that altar, an agali altar. Could you still communing with God, spending time with God, making sacrifices, offerings unto God, but you want the right motive. You want those God Godly altars to be on your heart, right? You want godly altars. And so I always ask God to examine my heart. And, and like I said, and, it, and it's not the whole point of it is to expose the hand of the enemy because we all have been and we all have had altars on our heart or have altars on the heart that needs to be exposed. So now you can search. Wait a minute. Which, 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 which also part of my responsibility is not just and my job or my career and my family, but my responsibility is what God has called me to do, to preach the word, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons in every area and whatever assignment he gives me, that, that assignment, that, that purpose does not change. That's also part of my responsibility, spending time with God. Jesus was the model. He often, not sometimes, not, every, not when he wasn't as busy, he often would do the, do the prayer. And I tell you all the time, who was busier than Jesus? There's nobody busier than Jesus. No matter what the position is, nobody's busier than Jesus because he was in high, 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 high demand. He, he, when he tried to push out on the boat to go to the other side to, to, to get some rest, to get away from the crowd, folks saw him where he was going and they went on the path and beat him before he got there. That's how much high demand he was. So he had to literally steal away. Go into a secret place, hide out, to spend time with God. So he was intentional. He had to go and run in mid-time, and, and he had to go and hide to make time for God. And it said he often withdrew into the wilderness, away from all the noise, away from all the commotion, away from all the responsibilities, because he knew, wait a minute, out of all the responsibilities I have in life, my greatest responsibility is intimate time with God. That's what Jesus recognized. And out of all of our responsibilities, the many they may be, as busy as you may be, as productive as you may be, your greatest responsibility in this earth is intimacy with God because everything flows from that. You fulfilling your purpose, walking in your destiny, uh, 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 coming up against the works of darkness. It all comes from that intimate place in God. Everything stems from that. The strength that you need, the strategy, the wisdom, the courage, et cetera, the tenacity. 
all of it comes from your intimate time with God. So therefore, that should be your first priority, your ultimate responsibility above everything else. That should come first. So if you can, if you can shift your mind, shift your focus. Well, wait a minute. I never saw that. I actually have a responsibility to spend intimate time with God. Yes, that's a responsibility. Draw near unto me, and I'll draw near unto you, the Lord says. He said, seek me while I may be found. It's part of response. Seek me. Not seek me if you feel like it. Seek me when you, when you, when you think you might get a little bit of time and you can squeeze me in. Seek me while I may be found. He said, come seek me. Come after me. Come after me. Don't take me for granted. This thing that I'm always going to be found. That I'm always going to be sitting and waiting. Seek me. Seek me as though this is your last opportunity to seek me. Making that time, that intimate time with God is so vital, so critical, so important. That is, repeat after me, my first responsibility is spending intimate time with God. Better, better yet, say it this way. My greatest responsibility is spending intimate time with God. Say it again. My greatest responsibility is spending intimate time with God. So if you see that as a responsibility, you see it as part of as in your job description, then you make it a priority. We make it a priority. And I'm constantly challenged. That's word is for me as well, because I know it is to get caught up in busyness, even busyness doing a good thing. Busyness doing a good thing. But God's never going to put that above time with him. Because, again. It is in that intimate place, in that secret place that everything stems from. Everything's birthed from that place. How can you be an effective warrior? Fighting on a battlefield without effective intimacy with God. Chasing after him. He's called all of us deeper. He's calling you deeper. He's calling you deeper. He's calling you deeper. He's calling you deeper. Because of what you carry. Because of what he's birthing out in your life. In this dispensation of time. In the body of Christ. To whom much is given. Much is required. Absolutely. Deep calls unto deep. He's calling us deep. He's saying, come, 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 come. He's saying, I want it. I want time with you. I want more time with you. If you're giving anything in your life more time than you're giving to me. It's not enough. I don't want to make room for you to make room for the enemy to, to sow seeds and to create an altar on your heart for things that seem to be good, that seems to be right. But I can't accept it because I rather your heart than your gifts. I love your gifts. I love your offerings. I love your sacrifice. But only when it's attached to a heart totally committed to me. Totally committed to me. And so 
Again, this word was to expose hidden altars on the heart. Again, it was to expose hidden altars on the heart. Evil altars. Hidden evil altars on the heart. So now the enemy is exposed once again. God is shining light. The light of Christ is shining on again. All right. All right. Look at motives. What, what am I giving more time to? We all have to self-reflect. What am I giving more time to? Because it's easy to fall into the trap because we feel like we know we're giving all this time to something that's good, something that's right, something that's necessary. But nothing is more necessary. There's no greater responsibility than intimacy with God. And that's what he's calling us to. And we're going to get deeper in this series. We'll get to more of some hidden altars, all the evil altars. But, but, but this, is, this is one that's very, very important to grasp and not to gloss over, not to look past, and not to go, oh, it's not on my heart. Lord, examine my heart. If there be anything in me, any way in me that's not of you, remove it. Reveal it to me. Remove it. There's any idols on my heart, altars on my heart that, that I made things out of idols. People, places, things, whatever it may be, remove it from my heart. I want my heart sold out for you, not just in word, but in deed, in action. In action. And it's a challenge. It is a challenge. It is a challenge because we look at our schedules and like, man, how am I going to get more God time in? You're starting off looking through the wrong lens. I tell you all the time, and it's a constant reminder and reminding myself of the very same thing. Don't revolve God or don't revolve prayer around your schedule. Revolve your schedule around your prayer life. You make everything else fit in, not trying to make prayer fit in. Make everything else fit into your prayer life. And yes, God's calling us for more, deeper, deeper, deeper still. He's calling for more time, more time, more time. So clearly, if he's calling for more time, he's showing you there's some things you need to rearrange, move around that we need to rearrange, move around to make more time. The time is there. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. And look, you've been good at juggling. You've been good at multitasking and doing multiple things. But make first things first. Your greatest responsibilities is your intimate Time with God. And so we're exposing these evil altars on our hearts that will come to the surface, that will readjust, will, re, will be realigned with the things of God, with what God wants. And God wants more than anything else is a heart towards him. Hello, somebody. Put it in perspective. Put it in perspective. Amen. So, so I'm going to stop there. And, and we'll pick back up uh, next week uh, uh, with, with some more hidden altars, um, hidden, uh, removing hidden evil altars. Uh, we may still continue some on heart, but I think we'll, we'll shift over uh, to some other hidden uh, evil altars. And so the first call, look, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy Christ, King, that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly so you can have a more abundant 
life. And so if you're not saved, this is your opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. It's very simple. It's not all his work. It's no getting it right. You can't get it right without God, without his grace, his mercy. So, so if you're not saved, this is your, your opportunity. You can repeat after me. If you're ready to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, say, Lord Jesus Christ, please forgive me of all of my sins, known and unknown. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead with all power in your hand. And you ascended to be back in heaven with God. The Father. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. I belong to you. You are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you say that for the first time, you are saved. We welcome you. We welcome you to the family of God. There are angels in heaven rejoicing because you gave your life to Christ. So we welcome you to the family of God. And if that's your first time making that uh, uh, profession, uh, uh, Confession, go send an email to info at thecorigreen.org, info at D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org. That's info at D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org. Man, uh, and so uh, so you can get some information. And so the next call is, is for, I'm talking to two different types of people. Hear me very carefully. I'm talking to two types of people. The first type of person, the first person or a group of people I'm talking to, is that you know that this is home. You know that I'm your pastor. You know that I'm your spiritual covering. You know that you're hearing the sound that's coming out of my mouth, that's coming out of this church, out of this ministry. You're hearing the sound. It's bearing witness with your spirit. It's bearing witness with everything that is in you. And you know this is home, regardless of where you are across the globe, because you understand it's not just about being within four walls. You're ready to mobilize. You're ready to move and, 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 and shake uh, things up and move and shake for the kingdom of God. And you know that this is home. This is you growing. This is you being fed. This is you being stretched. This is you being pushed. You know this is home. You you know it. And God is doing a new thing. He's breaking you out of what uh, out of tradition, as you know. He's, he's doing a new thing, and He's raising you up. And He's and if He's calling you here, it's a calling. It's a call to be called here, connected here, because we we're about establishing God's kingdom on earth. And so if that's you. You send an email. Uh, you can send an email to membership. At decoragreen.org, again, membership at decoragreen.org or info at decoragreen.org, and someone will, will send you the new partners information. We call the partners here, some call members, uh, but uh, it's the same thing. Uh, so that's the first person. Now, the second person I'm talking to is maybe you already have a church home, you're connected somewhere, but you still feel very connected here, where I serve some more of, uh, you get a supplemental word here, uh, I serve more as a mentor, et cetera. Uh, and so if that's you, you also send an email uh, to membership at decoragreen.org or info at decoragreen.org. So you can also get um, the new partners form to fill that out, uh, to get plugged in uh, uh, to, to what we're uh, doing to advance God's kingdom. Uh, and again, it's just simply saying that you are a soldier in the army of God and God is partnering with this with this army to advance his kingdom on earth. That, that's all that you're saying in reference to that. Amen. And so, and so it's just putting that in perspective. Uh, and so those are two people, types of people. So that's you govern yourself accordingly. Some of you have been procrastinating or dragging your feet. Some of you are, are you, you've been coming, you know, this is home, but you haven't actually made that step. And, and you want to make sure that you make that next step to get plugged in to what we have going on to get plugged into uh, uh, our, our uh, uh, with our teams and with the ministry in the church so that you can, continue to grow 
uh, in, in that vein as well. And um, as we begin to mobilize, amen. All right, all right. And uh, the last call, as you know, this is a good word. You sow back into it. You sow back into it because we know this. The saying goes that uh, that that the gospel is free, but ministry costs. The cost to do ministry it costs to spread the gospel, uh, to 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 transform neighborhoods, communities, uh, to, to 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 plant all over the world. It costs, and so we need individuals like you sowing back into the church, sowing back into the ministry, so we can continue to advance the kingdom of God. Because guess what? Everyone's not hearing this word. Everyone's not getting this word. Everyone's not applying this word. And so we need it to go out further to reach more people. Right. And so we need individuals like you helping us to do that by sowing back into the ministry, sowing back into the church. And the scripture says, again, God loves a cheerful giver. And whatever you do, don't sow a casual seed. Don't show a ca- sow a casual seed. Name that seed. What do you want that seed to accomplish? And like I said, you can sow many seeds for the same thing. Because that's that that means that much more harvest that's gonna come and the enemy can't grab all of it. Right. And so so you sow and you name that seed, write down how much you sowed. What do you want that seed to accomplish? What are you naming that seed? This seed, I'm sowing this seed for this. And you and you water it through prayer, watch over it until you see the harvest, until you see the results. And so whatever the Lord places on your heart, then you be led and do whatever He placed on your heart. And, and like we talked before about sacrificial giving. Some of you need are, are being stretched beyond. What you normally get, what you normally sow, because of what, because of the harvest that you are expecting, amen. So govern yourselves accordingly, and that's all I have. So I'm going to close out in prayer, and also, yes, our kingdom T-shirts uh, with some of the things that I say all the time. You can go to I Rule and Reign dot com, I Rule and Reign dot com. That's I R U L E A N D R E I G N dot com, I Rule and Reign dot com, and check out some of our kingdom T-shirts uh, that's available for purchase as well, amen. All right, Father God, we come now to the end of yet another Bible study. We thank you for the word that went forth, that went forth with power. We thank you for exposing, oh God, the hand of the enemy, oh God, the works of the enemy, oh God, with those hidden altars on our heart. We thank you for revealing it to us, oh God. We thank you for continuing to show us, Holy Spirit, even as we go throughout the rest of this week. If there's any wrong motives, any wrong heart motives, any any idols in our life, oh God, anything we're putting before you, oh God, we thank you for revealing it to us. Show us, oh God, and help us to make that shift. Help us to make that change because we can't do it without your strength. We can't do it without your grace and your mercy. I declare your spirit of peace. It's resting upon these, your people, O oh God, your joy I injected into their soul, uh, your love I injected into their soul, O oh God. Give them a peace that surpasses all understanding. I declare your ministry angels to minister unto these, your people, O oh God. We thank you for the lives of God. We thank you for the calling on their lives of God. I send the heavenly host to fight and do war on their behalf. And so no weapon that is forming against them shall be able to prosper. We thank you, God. We praise you, God, for continuing to push them forward into their destiny, that they will walk by faith and not by sight. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so remember, go back and play this 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 teaching throughout the week because you, you're not going to get it all in one sitting. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So go back and listen to this uh, uh, some point throughout the week uh, and Holy Spirit begins to reveal more to you. So of course, we'll be back uh, tomorrow morning for our Warriors Prayer Closet, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope. Uh, so we, we, we'll be right here again. Uh, and tomorrow we're going to get right down to business uh, because I actually have a uh, have to fly out early in the morning. Uh, so we, our, our, our prayer clause is probably going to be from like 6 to 630 in the morning. So uh, uh, I'll be there on time because we're going to come straight out the gates uh, and go and go in. Amen. So remember that you are the breath of God and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle. The court being signed out. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. I'll see you in the morning.
Talk to you soon. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.